Right, hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Chat Footy. Apart from uh, Chris, who's not here today because it's his birthday tomorrow, believes he's got a day off, I have with me a very special guest, someone I've not spoken to for uh, up until today. Seth, welcome to the show, Seth. Dave, thank you so much for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure. I have uh, been aware of many of the goings-ons uh, through our mutual um, connection, Mr. Mr. Tony, who has, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of introduced me to everyone and now I feel like I'm just trying to you know get my hands around the idea of just how many cool people there are how many great programs there are and the chance to hang out with you today and talk about all the fun stuff we saw in an exciting World Cup uh, morning, afternoon, evening depending on where you are in the world how are you doing? <laughs> very good, very good so before the tournament started off I, I did put the feelers out just to the group and you know if anyone was interested there's, there's an interesting Venn diagram you know there's not too many people with exactly the same interests but that, that's what kind of makes it fun and Tony suggested yourself as you know being a, a bit of a football fan or a soccer fan dare I say so the first thing I'm interested in is so, so what is your background what where did your love of football or soccer come from uh it began with my grandfather um who gave me a soccer ball while I was living in Long Island New York on the opposite side of the country and the problem was I just ran everywhere my parents had no idea what to do with me so he said hey I picked this up he flew all over the world for a uh, commercial and he said hey I picked this up uh, in Germany apparently they just love it over there here give them the ball <laughs> and I would just run in the backyard kick it everywhere and they got me on a team and all I cared about was that I could run as fast as I could and kick the ball and that led all the way through um, as many teams as I could play for high school unfortunately I tore my ACL when I was 17 um, Followed that up a year or two later with uh, two meniscus surgeries, arthroscopy, and actually I had a knee replacement two years ago on that same knee because I had <laughs> a few more surgeries on it and then eventually had to have a full replacement. And then okay. a year after that, um, just this past June, I'd come up on my one-year anniversary of the replacement, started getting fit. And on July 2nd, got into my first soccer game in almost 17 years. 25 minutes later, a guy tackled me from behind. I tore my ACL, oh. my MCL, my meniscus, um, and ended up going in for my fifth knee surgery. <laughs> oh, my God. Of which I am currently recovering from. So um, it's it's been a part of my life. In fact, so much of playing has impacted kind of the person I became once surgeries and injuries changed what I thought maybe a career could be or my potential future as far as either collegiate, professional, anything like that. And because of that, I ended up becoming uh, more involved in my academics and pursuing some other fun sports. And it was like one of those tragedies that led to good things eventually. So that's a brief snapshot. I don't know. <laughs> wow. That is kind of cool, but kind of tragic as well. Sorry to hear that. I mean, five <laughs> knee surgeries. That, there's some going. I mean, even professional yeah, footballers don't get on the that kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, and then after the third one, I'd said, oh, I'm going to walk away for a while. I need to take a break. And then it just, yeah, life. Um, 
but it's it's a sport that I've uh, gradually found myself able to, to. I had to take a break after that from like watching, mm-hmm. participating, a lot of things, and then gradually over the past ten years, I've been, you know, maybe twelve now, been bringing myself back into it and just sort of like finding, you know, the all the things that had brought me into it originally. Even though I can't participate the same way, it's still mm-hmm. just a. The thing that gets my heart beating the fastest. Very good, and I mean the MLS is. I mean, when I was growing up, it was a bit of a joke. You know, the the American football, and they they invested a load of money. They brought over the likes of Pele and stuff, didn't they, to try and play over there? But that dipped. You know, that kind of got canned after a while. But then, in the last sort of couple of decades, probably since '94 when the World Cup was there. I mean, the MLS has been strong. We've had some great players over there. I mean, you're part of the country. I mean, you're not too far away from LA Galaxy, I guess. You know, with uh, Beckham and, and what have you. Gerard, one of my <laughs> favorites, was over there in more recent years. So, you know, and, and I think, uh, well, the news that's just broken in the last hour, which is Ronaldo is leaving United, maybe he may end up over there. <laughs> It, there's always the possibility. In fact, I remember it was about a month or so ago that I believe the uh, someone from Liga MX said that MLS has now surpassed Liga MX as far as like the quality and caliber of the teams because they've been matching up a lot, and MLS is regularly coming out on top. So there, there is a shift. I mean, sadly, it, when you were part of all that, you're right. MLS was a mess. There was the UCISL program that was an unofficial and not actually traditional feeder program into. Mm. There were a lot of financial issues, some bankruptcies. There was also the confusion from a lot of networks, which you saw in the 94 World Cup. They didn't understand how to broadcast soccer. And there was a very sharp learning curve, and a lot of teams and opportunities fell through. But yeah, we've seen a resurgence, and recently they've thankfully restructured it, where they now have like a USL team below MLS that feeds in, and then another tier below that. And they're they're figuring it out. They're They're watching some great examples from our neighbors around the world and going, oh... They actually are successful. Maybe we should do that. Mm. So, yeah, and I also have the San Jose Earthquakes, which were only about an hour and 20 minutes away from me. So that's a great MLS squad with a lot of history, some amazing players who've come out of there. Um, and would Ronaldo come here for the right price? He might. I mean, there's a there's an old country song that goes with how he's leaving uh, Manchester United, and the title is, When You Leave That Way, You Can Never Go Back. And uh, I'm cursed by a childhood high school friend who was so into country that I remember these things. But every once in a while, they actually, like, pay off. And all I could think of is Ronaldo, man. You went back to the team again. You did the things you did the wrong way. And mm. the way you're leaving, you know, it's a, it's a one-way ticket. You will never be invited back after this. Yeah, it's not good. Chris and I spoke about it. He's a huge United fan and really he's tainted his own legacy but uh, but probably we'll, we'll dig into that maybe another day what have you been making <laughs> of the, the World Cup so far? Um, my honest experience is that it has been a little tough to keep up I, I regrettably fell asleep after the first half of the Argentina-Saudi Arabia game because I had gotten up at 4 to watch England the, you know, the following morning mm. and, or the <laughs> earlier morning and then you know, watch the US and that ridiculous tie and then didn't really get a nap in between maybe a couple hours later so I got up 
stayed up from 11 to 2, watched the game, fell asleep, woke up, missed the Tunisia, <laughs> the, the entire match, slept through that, and I thought to myself, like, okay, man, sometimes you're going to catch most of the games, and other days you might just have to sleep. And that part of it has been intoxicating, because there's a part of me that's just enjoying the fact of how many games can I get on how little sleep before we thankfully break into the round of 16 and things like that. Um, but the, the energy, the excitement, the, uh, the unexpected, it's, it's truly been thrilling. And that, that last game we were just watching with, uh, Poland and Mexico. Mm. I mean, Lewandowski missing the PK, uh, the stadium feeling like Mexico was playing at home. Uh, what has been your take there? That was weird. I mean, uh, you've seen a lot of strong support for the likes of Saudi Arabia. I mean, they're next door to Qatar, so, you know, you'd expect that. Tunisia as well seems to have a huge following. So I'm thinking, you know, it's kind of the, the in the general vicinity, you know, you're going to get the stronger <laughs> support. But, like, Mexico, where the hell did that come from? But they didn't half make it for a great atmosphere, didn't they? And, you know, it's a shame the Oof. team couldn't really match it. But, you know, they, they, you couldn't argue with the support they gave them. No, I actually heard from one of the uh, commentators that it was around 80,000 fans have traveled to the World Cup. And I was trying to figure out where they were, you know, figuring out how many Mexico fans were in there because the stadium only fit 40,000. So I'm like, yeah. how is this all working out? <laughs> well, where are I the think... other 40,000? Where is that part <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm not sure how much I believe some of these attendance figures because uh, I think for the first few games it was like, oh, it's, you know, the attendance is 40,000 and, and, you know, that was capacity. But you could see there's empty seats all over the place, like for the Qatar-Ecuador game. Um, mm. And it's like, yeah, I'm not, not sure, sure how much I'm buying all of this. But what, what did you, I mean, I, I've been loving it and I do think that, Argentina Saudi Arabia game was absolutely amazing. You should try if if you can catch the highlights because, I mean, I it, it was it kicked off at ten o'clock here, so I'm trying to work and I've kind of got it on in the background. And the thing is, they they scored like a hat trick of disallowed goals at the start, and you've got we've seen this in the Premier League where it's ridiculous where you can have a the top of a shoulder that's offside you know right i guess technically that's <laughs> right but you know it just feels wrong but um saudi played this really high line which i've seen liverpool do you know in recent years but when you've got someone like van dyke at the back you you can play that sort of game but i, I didn't expect saudi arabia to play it so playing this high line really worked out for them because you know all three goals were rightly chalked off they they looked dodgy at the start but no it, it showed it and and they were rightly ruled out and then it was weird the second half it was like Argentina just didn't really know what to do and yeah Saudi I, I thought really deserved it I thought the guy who had they had up front he was brilliant because they just hurled the ball at him and he, he still looked dangerous even on his own he's running down the channels giving the defence a bit of a breather and everything so I, I heard on the radio this afternoon it, it was something like the biggest World Cup upset ever 
There has never been a, a World Cup upset like this. If you look at the odds and everything, it just no one saw this coming. And so, you know, fair play to the King of Saudi Arabia who said, tomorrow, you know, you can all have a, a national holiday. <laughs> Deservedly so, yeah, earned. Brilliant. I mean, there should be partying in the streets throughout the night and into the next day, and we should all be, you know, cheering them on for it. it quite the celebration and the highlights that I did catch because that was the kicker of course I wake up at the end of the uh, Tunisia game and I'm like oh wow okay so I missed a lot <laughs> and wow Argentina lost that one so I saw some of those I am grateful that I've seen FS1 put on a couple of replay games later in the evening like uh, I know okay, last yeah, night yeah. they were playing the uh, the England game again around 11 to 1 uh, my time which was perfect because then there was like an hour break before the uh, Argentina game kicked off. But I'd already watched England earlier this morning, and I was just sort of like, all right, well, that's something to keep in mind. So if I'm lucky, I might get the chance to catch Saudi Arabia and Argentina later this evening and enjoy uh, that second half that I could not yeah. <laughs> keep my eyes open for which was a shame <laughs> it's, it's difficult you know the the first world cup i remember is is 86 in mexico so kind of had it the other way where it's you know the matches are in the middle of the night but i was too young then so i kind of remember it you know by the time you get up in the morning you know you you're kind of watching yesterday's matches you know on the, on the replays and stuff so I, I, I do get it. it makes it difficult when it's such a big time difference you know I mean for yourself it's it's almost the, the opposite side of the world isn't it so really uh, hats off to you for watching as much as you have so far it's it thank you it's one of the joys and beauties of uh, working a lot from home that you know I, I also just am aware <laughs> of the fact that if I need to, I will curl up on the couch or the bed with the dogs and grab an hour or two nap and then get back up and get back to it. So that is cool. I, I'm fully aware of the luxuries that I am blessed with regarding that, and I don't take them for granted. In fact, I figure it's almost a responsibility. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> you have, you know, because I remember in 2000, I think it was 10, I was working in a job where I had to be up at like three or four to work. Mm. So I get up enough to see, but the games were on and I'm going to work, you know, and you watch the highlights and you're grateful that you can catch some games on your day off. But now I've reached a stage in my career where I can say, Hey, <laughs> if you can be home, you know, do you really want to say, Oh, I was doing this other thing when I could have been watching yeah. a game that you only see once in a lifetime, right? That's the blessing of a lot of these games. And kind of the, the thing I would like to see more from like, the U.S. after their performance against Wales, you know, the commentators were talking about how Burhalter tries to impress what his experience was like as a player and to say, if you want it to really have the importance it can, you need to act like every moment in the World Cup is the biggest moment of your life. That, mm. that it's, it's, you know, it's it's do or die. It's, it's where everything uh, either comes to fruition or falls apart. And without that intensity, I've seen teams, like you said, Argentina in the second half. I felt the, the United States at times against Wales. I felt, you know, there was almost that pause after England had gotten really far ahead and then suddenly gave up the goal. And it was like, hey, guys, mm. guys, guys, you know this. You know, everything, you know, it can change in, in a heartbeat when it comes to the World Cup. It's, it's so unbelievably unpredictable, as we just saw this morning, that um, <laughs> I'm wondering if now... 
other teams are kind of heightening up, especially Poland and Mexico after coming to a draw and knowing they're trailing Saudi Arabia right now in the group stages. And they have to play catch up while, you know, a team who nobody was paying enough attention to is now going high. By the way, we did this seven times in a row, it seems, right? Isn't that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the Saudis play Poland next. So, again, if they can pull out the same kind of performance, because it's almost like that Leicester side. I don't don't know if you watch much of the Premier League, but when they won the, the Premier League, they just defended really, really well and just gave up possession. They were like, yep, you have the, you know, 60, 70. I think Argentina at one point was like 80% possession today. But they did nothing with it. And then every time the Saudis got the ball, they they looked to break with purpose. And so I think from what I saw of, uh, you know, the Mexico-Poland game, okay, it got a bit feisty at, at certain points in the second half and particular when the you know the penalty just happened and everything and all the drama around that but i don't think poland really did enough to break down mexico and so i I think they're going to find it difficult against the saudis as well i agree i think it's it's a it's a question as i've so often heard uh sports commenters commentators make that the idea of answering a question that a game leaves you with afterwards. You know, why did we not succeed? Why did we have these issues? And finding the answer to those questions might mean changing their tactics. In, in many ways, it seemed like Poland was relying solely on Lewandowski when mm. I felt that there were players like uh, in that last shot attempt they had. I, I heard uh, the commentator on uh, on my side, Landon Donovan, who was brought, you know doing the... Uh, the uh, commentating for uh, the broadcast I was watching, he said, you know, you got Cash running all the way up on the right-hand side, made this unbelievable run in prime position, and that was the moment, you know, where you mm. don't think about what's happening for you immediately. You look at the, as I've always heard coaches say, see the whole field, right? See mm-hmm. everything that's going on. And in that moment, it was like, I think I can do this instead of who else is around me that can help me, you know, because while I think I can do it is a great motivation accomplishing it especially in a team sport usually requires others and you know if you even want to tie it off to ted lasso it's the extra pass it's that (laughs) last right so uh, (laughs) i i feel like that's going to be a a question poland has to answer especially if uh you know they're going into a highly charged saudi arabia that's proven they can take down the best and they're they appear fearless right now i can't Mm. think of a more dangerous thing to face when you're looking at an opponent Someone who's saying, we know we can win, and who says we have anything to lose? Yeah, and we talk about the atmosphere, we're talking about the Mexico game, but, I mean, the Saudi game, the the crowd were unbelievable, and it it did make it feel like very much a home match. You mentioned Matty Cash there. I mean, it's bizarre to me that he's playing for Poland. (laughs) He's as English as they come, but apparently he's got (laughs) some uh, Polish ancestry, but... There was a whole bout of uh, players in the 90s who, um, especially when England weren't very well, would come out the woodwork and say, oh, yeah, my grandmother's Irish. Oh, oh yeah, okay. And, uh, people would just lie. People like Tony Cascarino just blatantly lied. Andy Townsend, I don't think he was... Uh, he might have had an English grandmother or something. But it, it, very, very bizarre uh, to see him there and... 
Again, you're used, you're used to all these Polish sounding names and then it's Matty Cash. I'm, I'm assuming he does speak Polish, but, uh, <laughs> like I say, for me, he's, he's 100% English. But, um, no, so just going back though to the US game, because that, that, that's the one game I did actually miss, uh, I was out. Mm. So Chris was telling me it was, it was just a game of two halves, really. US were all over him in the first half, but then, didn't really get that killer second goal and then Wales just came into it more and more in second yeah I mean it, it feels gosh it feels like it was almost a week ago now with all the things that have happened in, uh, since that game but I can definitely say that in that first half uh, tough part for me I had a meeting get scheduled for that first half so I even told the person I was on with, I'm like, I know this is a video call, but I'm on the couch. <laughs> the game is on behind you. And if we score something, I'm pausing it. And, you know, if you see me, I'm j this only happens every four years. You'll be okay. We'll be <laughs> And I yeah. did. So as soon as Wei got that beautiful goal, I paused it, watched the rest of the first half. And, yeah, the USA was on fire. They were mm. they were amazing. They were They were everything I was looking for them to be. Some of the biggest challenges were that uh, I think right now they need to be a little more um, conscientious about the value of getting Pulisic through the group stage mm. and healthy through. He took a lot of punishment. There were plenty of plays where if you go back and watch that game, they'll show you the highlight or they'll show you the replay. And it's the player might get the ball, but afterwards, you know, the cleats going on the back of the calf. That mm. must have happened to him at least two or three times. The ankles... And he's already had problems with health that, you know, I catch my fair share of uh, English Premier. It's been an issue getting him consistent with Chelsea, you know, having mm -hmm. him, you know, available to start injury free, which is, I think, almost impossible in this day and age of playing the sport. But mm -hmm. seeing how much punishment he was taking and, and wondering why bringing in guys like Aronson and making other substitutions, I think Aronson was, you know, one of those great examples of a who came in and just immediately started putting pressure in the second half, started creating things. And I think that's something that the U.S. is going to need to consider, especially, I mean, my heart sunk a little bit when I was watching the England game, and suddenly, you know, I see that the subs are coming in are uh, Grealish, Foden, <laughs> uh, Rashford. I'm like, are you kidding me? you got four <laughs> all-stars in one sub move. Like, if they do that to the U.S. in the second half and the U.S. is not counter with the same sort of tactical decisions, we're not going to make it. And if we rely too much on Pulisic, he's going to take the punishment because I have all the respect in the world for any other team that says, hey, he's been beat up. You step on him a few more times, you don't have to worry about him. And it's, it's not a nice thing, but if it's the way that gets you to the win, the U.S. kind of stuck their foot in their mouth a couple of days before the Wales game and said, in order to win, we have to kick around Gareth Bale. Well, Oof. you invite that opportunity, you, you better be able to stand up to it, too. And mm. right now, I think for a lot of teams, Pulisic is the Gareth Bale of the U.S. team. Mm -hmm. You know, he's that, that, that guy you know that has injury issues and that if you, you get after, he won't make it through. He, he, mm. <laughs> the human body can only take so much punishment. So there, there were a couple of issues beyond just the, the whole two different halves as well. I, I think tactically they need to be aware of who their playmakers are, who their game changers are, and maybe think about them more in a sub role or subbing them out tactically or, or something along those lines because you know the punishment 
it, it's it's going to take its toll, and when it adds up, um, that could be the difference maker. Yeah, I mean, obviously the game's coming up on Friday, isn't it? And, and you say about mm-hmm. you know all the English subs. The thing is, over the years, England have quite often had great individual players, but coming together as a team. We've often struggled with that, but I, I must admit, I mean, there was a lot of pessimism, myself included, coming into this game because Southgate's quite a pragmatic, quite a defensive manager, but, you know, against Iran, he did play quite an attacking side, and I'm hoping for the same on Friday. But I think the, I said to Chris earlier today that the US are a kind of a wildcard team because they're so young. You've basically got Yedlin. Who's who's the one kind of sta- elder statesman <laughs> out of the group? But all these other younger players, and, and we know Pulisic obviously, but I, I just think we don't really know what to expect from them. And the fact that most of them are so young, there's an arrogance of youth, isn't there? There's just this kind of like <laughs> you know attitude that you get with it. And so I'm not taking Friday for granted at all. And I, I think. The, the the England Iran game was a bit weird because of the clash of heads with the goalkeeper and the defender, and then that whole ten minute extra injury time and whatever. It, it just it was an odd result, um, and the second half, so some of their defending was just atrocious. So I, I'm expecting a much tougher game on Friday. I I agree. We've always been kind of upstarts, and it it. It makes me laugh when I would go back and watch a lot of U.S. games because there is this sort of frantic scrambling that is so easily connected to <laughs> the United States playing style, which does make it a wild card. <laughs> because there, there, you know, at times there will be these really nice, hey, let's build it from the back and let's create a nice rhythm, and other times where it's just fly around. You got a couple of guys who their only job is to just buzz everywhere and attack and mm. harass and hassle and, and make and create. They're, they're the, the ones who, if the ball comes to them, all they're doing is one-touch flicks to here and there. Mm. And that can pay off. In fact, that's that that was what I thought really that energy is what gave uh, you know the U.S. That, that first goal against Wales. But then what killed me was watching, like I said, the, that substitution. And was it, was it even 90 seconds later that Rashford dances and then sort of does this beautiful, like, hey, I'm going to step here, and I'm going to step here. Have you ever seen ballroom dancing? Oh, I'm going to step here. Tap. And I was like, he passed the ball into the goal because he looked like he just, he knew how to just waltz, literally waltz around these guys. And all I can think of is when we meet that with our wild card ways, what wins out? Composure or chaos? And I have concerns because uh, oftentimes... When it comes to competition, uh, when it comes to uh, what you'll hear sometimes in like boxing and martial arts, the idea of like, hey, uh, a competitor who's going on emotion is already lost. The competitor who controls their emotion, they they dictate the terms. I have concerns about that. <laughs> so I, I'm going to be taking it seriously. I can definitely see where we can surprise, but also I can see where that same thing, like playing high on the line, like we were talking about with... Uh, mm. Liverpool and Saudi you play high you you play hard the counter comes you have to be able to you know match that or else you've exposed your weak side and yeah and by the way great point as well about um 
the opening of that England-Iran game, there was a lot of conversation afterwards about how long it took to clear him to keep playing, only then minutes later to pull him off because he clearly mm. wasn't right. Even when they said he's good to keep playing, I mean, between how big and red his nose was and the way he kept yeah. blinking, <laughs> I was yeah, like, you got to yeah. be kidding me. You know, we had this thing in American football a couple of weeks back where they put a guy back in and they really shouldn't. I, mm. I feel like this was, you know, an example of, hey, not only does it hurt time, but we, we risk the, the quality and health of the player. You know, there's safety and everything. So I mm. think it's important that, that, you know, that that occurred in a way that it not only influenced the time, but it gave us time to look at what was going on and going, we, we're going to do better than this after this, right? Because, you know, that doesn't look good at all. So. Yeah, there, there was a lot of discussion on the English commentary because I I thought it was a a, a worldwide protocol, but obviously it's not. It it's, must be just the Premier League, or or at least in England. But if a player is concussed, that's it. There's no managerial input or anything. He goes off, and then that's it. He's out. He can't play again for ten days. And, and that's only come in in recent years. And I thought that was worldwide, but clearly not. But I'm not sure he even knew where he was. And I know that times have changed drastically. There was an old story about one of the great Liverpool managers, Bill Shankly. He was quite quick-witted. And one of the guys got knocked <laughs> out on the pitch. And, uh, you know, the, he comes over, he says to the physio, he's like... So how is he? He's like, oh, it's no good, boss. He doesn't know who he is. He says, well, tell him he's Pele and get him back out there. <laughs> <laughs> Which is adorably, you know, um, nostalgic in a way. Like, oh, that's a what, a what a great sort of fun way to put a good spin out. But then you think to yourself afterwards, okay, how healthy were we really being? Oh, absolutely horrendous. <laughs> I mean, you, you would hate that to happen today, but uh, it, it did make me chuckle when I found out about that. But I think we we need to sort out Friday because uh, depending on how it goes, uh, again, we, we'll but we'll play it by ear a bit. It's the later match, so a bit more, bit more reasonable. Now, for today's game, obviously, we, we do have one more game to play. So there is uh, Australia against France. Any predictions there? I really have a hard time seeing France losing right now. I mean, granted, we've seen surprises, so I, I, I'm completely open to the possibility that anything can happen. But there has been a passion that France is able to really channel. And when, when that's a part of their game, I think they're unstoppable. You know, I, I still think that you've got unbelievable power. Uh, through the combination of guys like Mbappe, uh, you know, um, you've got uh, Pogba. I mean, it's a disappointment as far as uh, Benzema, but it was funny. I was listening to the end of the commentary of uh, the game we just finished up, and I heard Donovan and the uh, their commentator, I think it was Ian, I can't remember his last name at the moment, and... Um, he was like, yeah, well, you know, France has had injuries and this and that. And Donovan was just like, they have plenty of depth. I am not worried about their depth or their talent. And I immediately checked their list and I was like, ooh, yeah, they're going to be fine. So I, I personally see them coming out on top simply because I, it, they remind me a lot of England in just that you could have a substitution of four all-stars and mm. there you go. What happens? <laughs> How about yourself? And he, uh, 
any predictions you you seen it one way or the other i i'm the same i mean i said to chris you know okay benzema's out Okay, I guess we'll bring Mbappe into the middle then. <laughs> you know, it's like it's ridiculous the the choices they have. So, and, and the thing is with France, they they do have this massive array of talent, but they've got a better habit than England do of being able to all come together as a squad. I think they are going to miss Pogba. They're going to miss Kante in the middle there, but you know they'll have players come in and and. Australia a few years ago when they had the likes of Kuehl, Cahill, you know, they were a, a solid side and they could cause an upset, but I'm just not that convinced. So it's going to be interesting, but not really expecting anything. But, you know, first game of the day, wasn't expecting anything from that as well. So given the two <laughs> nil-nils we've just seen, hopefully uh, they're saving it for the for the last game of the day. I like a good battle to sort of wrap up uh, the end of World Cup play today. That would be a lot of fun. Just a great fight. And, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it's like it's funny. You start looking at the list of players that won't be playing for France because of injuries or other issues, and then you're like, wow, what does this mean? And then you look at all the ones that are still there, and it's like, I, I doesn't mean anything. Like you just said, oh, we're missing Benzema. Here, we'll just drop Mbappe in. Okay, any questions? <laughs> like, you know, when it's so easy to move a chess piece around and go, well, there you go, gap filled. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough thing to counter. And like you said, you know, I, I don't see the same sort of, you know, marquee game-changing players available for Australia, and I have heard very few conversations about them having the same kind of depth. So it does seem a bit of an outsized match, but... Like you said, first game of the morning um, or first game of the day, we uh, we learned a lot about what to uh, assume when it comes mm. to these matches, right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Well, Seth, it's been absolutely brilliant speaking to you, and hopefully we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. Apparently, it's 17 days of consecutive football while we're in the group stages, so <laughs> that is mental. Uh, but <laughs> the plan is, you know, we're going to have a few minutes, maybe even one a, one a day or, or one every two days or something, so we'll definitely be dragging you back on at some point. But where can everyone get hold of you? Oh, uh, well, first, let me just say thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I, I love being able to uh, sit down and, and talk about all these fun things that we share passions about, whether it's soccer, comics. As far as finding me, um, you can find my personal thoughts on uh, the sport and different things going on within it on a little podcast called Chips and Channels. And then I also have my main podcast, Storytelling with Seth. They're available on all your favorite uh, streaming platforms storytelling with Seth is just a place where I try and sit down with guests and for the most part talk about storytelling concepts approaches uh, strategies tactics but what is story what does it mean to the person I'm talking to and, and what is it they're doing with stories that they can share with us you can find me on Twitter is one more singleton on Instagram is set the writer um, yeah but mostly just type my name Seth Singleton into a search engine and then there you go. You'll find me somewhere. <laughs> brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Well, if you'd like to drop us an email, you can get us at chatfootypodcast at gmail.com. You can also get us on Twitter at chatfooty. And also check out some of the other shows that we do, like Comics in Motion, The VHS Strikes Back, and so on and so on. <laughs> There's no point mentioning them all. Well, it's Seth, quite a list. It is a list. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. 
and we'll speak to ah, you next time. Looking forward to it. Cheers.